Welcome to the Prince College Podcast. We are so thankful that you've tuned in. Our hope with this podcast is that it teaches you more about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what that means for you. With that in mind, let's dive right in. Hope you enjoy. Really glad that you guys are here. Thank you so much for joining us for Prince College Nights. We say this a lot around here, but we really love these times together, and we do not take it for granted that you come out here at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night to sing the praises of the Lord and to sit under the teaching of his word. So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming out here. I'm just really grateful for each and every one of you. Um, We are continuing tonight in our series that, like Emma said earlier, that we've been calling Kingdom Now. And this series, maybe if you're new with us, this is your first time, what you need to know is this, that this series has been through what we commonly call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that was given by Jesus himself that's recorded in the New Testament book of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. And as we have walked our way through this sermon this semester, what we've seen is this, is that the kingdom of God is not something that we're just meant to engage in one day whenever we die, that we're not meant to just pray a prayer and just chill out in our seats, waiting till our time is called, and engage in the kingdom of God one day after death, but that we're meant to engage in the kingdom of God here and now. And what we've seen throughout this sermon is this idea that for the life of a believer, the way that we live our lives, it matters. That way that we live, the way that we relate to one another, the way that we pursue the Lord, all of it is meant to be salt. It's meant to be light. It's meant to display a better way. That The way that we live is meant to display glimpses of the kingdom now. So we've seen a ton of things. Last week we had Pastor Josh with us, which was so exciting. I really enjoyed that time together. And he walked us through Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And he talked about the spiritual discipline of fasting and how Jesus expects this to be something that we are practicing, that the people of God are practicing on a regular basis. And fasting is a way by which we draw nearer to the king. And we get more of him. We experience more of him. So I hope that those of you who were here last week enjoyed that. I hope that was beneficial for you and your walk with Jesus. And you've begun even putting that into practice even over the course of this past week maybe. But tonight, where we pick up, we see Jesus kind of switching gears in his sermon a little bit. You see, we've seen Jesus cover all kinds of topics. We've seen him go through some application of the Old Testament law and kind of clarify some misunderstandings of the people of the day. We've seen him talk about the spiritual disciplines of giving, prayer, and fasting. But where we pick up tonight is, I just gotta tell you, it's my absolute favorite part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I feel like I've said that like four times throughout the, the course of this series, but I really mean it this time. This is like the part that I feel like God has just used the most in my life, that I've just seen this text, God used this text to really just show me more of who he is and what that means for me. Because you see, where Jesus has been intensely practical, where he's been kind of clarifying some misunderstandings of Old Testament law, what he's gonna do tonight is he's gonna show us a little bit more of the heart of the Father. He's gonna show us a little bit more of the heart of God. And it is a plea for how we are to live our lives differently, but it's not clarifying some logic. It's not clarifying some misunderstanding of some Old Testament law. It is pointing people to the heart of God and encouraging them to live differently as a result. And the way Jesus chooses to reveal more of God's heart is he addresses a topic that many of us in the room are familiar with. 
he addresses the topic of anxiety, of worry, of fear, of being anxious about the things of the world. He talks about how we as the people of God are meant to respond in moments of great anxiety and great worry. And can we just be, can we just be real tonight? I know we like to like come to church and act like we have everything together, but can we just be honest for a second? I think this is something we all need. Right, like We need this. We are living in the midst of a day where it seems like anxiety, fear, and worry are just the norm. It seems like this is something that we are all struggling with. I've had conversations with many of you, and I've shared with many of you that anxiety has been a major part of my story. It's been a major part of my story. I've seen God use that to show me more of who he is and show me more of his heart. And I know from having conversations with you that I'm not the only one in the room that deals with that. I'm not the only one in the room that feels the pangs of anxiety and worry on a regular basis. I know that it's true for many of you that you deal with anxiety over all kinds of things. You worry about the future. You worry about mistakes that you've made in the past. You worry about school, about a future career, about making enough money. You worry about relationships, family, you name it. We all have anxiety. We're We're a stressed and anxious generation, which is interesting to me. Because you see, we're currently living in a day, if you remove COVID from the equation, all right, we're going to remove COVID from the equation for just a second. If we're currently living in a day where we experience far more security, far more safety than many generations that have ever come before us, yet we're living in a day in which our generation, your generation, my generation, is reporting higher and higher levels of anxiety and fear than ever before. Your generation, my generation, the generations before us and after us are a stressed out, anxious, and fearful generation, fearful and anxious about many things. And we're looking for solutions. We're looking for help and healing. And I just want to tell you some good news tonight. I want to tell you some good news tonight. The good news is that in the midst of that, in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of the rising levels of anxiety, in the midst of the pursuit for healing and help, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, has something to say. And I'm really excited about that. That's really, really good news. Jesus Christ has something to say about how we are to respond in moments of anxiety and worry and fear in our lives. But before we dive into the text, I feel it's important that we offer a little bit of a clarifier. Because whenever I use a term like anxiety, I realize that that is a very, very broad term. And that could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people in the room. And so tonight, as we start talking about how the Bible calls us to respond in moments of anxiety, of moments of worry, there may be some of you in the room tonight who may be tempted to push back a little bit. You may be tempted to push back against me a little bit because you may think of Anxiety more in the medical sense, right? Whenever I use the term anxiety, you might be thinking about like chemical imbalances that happen within the brain that leave you more susceptible and vulnerable to anxiety. So whenever I talk about the importance of pursuing the Lord, you may think that sounds a little trite, a little too simplistic, and you may think I'm making light of a really serious medical issue that many people face. I just want to be really clear from the jump. I want to be really clear from the get-go. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, Braden. Do you know that? I don't, I'm not a medical doctor, okay? That's not, that's not, I don't know if that's what you expected of me. It's not my thing. But I do understand that 
that there are medical issues that leave people vulnerable to anxiety and fear. And I understand that sometimes, a lot of times, those medical issues need to be treated with medical solutions. Okay, I've seen that in my own life. I am unashamed to tell you that I've been through seasons in my life where I've had to take medication for my own anxiety, for my own worry, for my own fear. And it was helpful to me for a season. But what I also know is this. As much as anxiety can be a medical issue, it can also be a spiritual issue. I want you to understand that. As much as anxiety can be a medical issue, it can also be a spiritual issue. Anxiety and fear are great enemies of the soul that keep us from experiencing more of the goodness of God and living the lives that he has called you to. And I'm here to tell you tonight that God wants so much more for you than that. So that's what we're here to talk about tonight, because what I want you to understand is that a spiritual problem cannot be fixed with a medical solution. A spiritual problem must be addressed with a spiritual solution. So that's what we're here to talk about tonight. We're here to talk about a God who wants you to walk in faith and not in fear. We're here to talk about a God who sees you in the midst of your anxiety, who sees the things that you are struggling with, who sees the things that you are fearful about and wants so much more for you. We're here to talk about these words of Jesus as he addresses our anxious hearts and points us to the loving heart of our good, good Father. We're here to talk about the spiritual side of this issue. We're here to examine these words of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 6. If you're there, I want you to go ahead and find verse 25. We're going to be in verses 25 through 34 tonight. All right, I'm going to read this. It's going to be behind me on the screens, and we're going to talk about it together. This is Jesus picking up again in this sermon, and he says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. It's your heavenly father. He feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither grow, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. These are beautiful words from our Savior. 
These are beautiful words from Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that I have seen the truth in these words. I have seen God use this passage of scripture radically in my life to help free me from some of the anxieties and fears that I face. And I wholeheartedly believe that for many of you in the room who are walking through a season of worry, who are walking through a season of anxiety, or maybe you're not in one now, but one is to come. If you live out the truths of this passage of scripture, you will see Jesus set you free from that which torments you. You will see Jesus set you free from the anxieties that plague your hearts and your minds. And I want you to see the truth in this text and begin to live it out in your lives. So let's talk about this together. Okay, we see from the get-go that Jesus tells us, he says, don't be anxious about your life. He calls us not to be anxious about our very livelihoods. And he tells us specifically, he says, not to be anxious about the food that we're going to eat or the clothes that we're going to wear. Whenever we read that, you may be tempted to think, okay, cool, check. That is nothing that I'm anxious about. Like, I'm not anxious about the food that I'm going to eat. I know I'm going to cook out after this, and I'm going to be good. I know I got Bolton at UGA tomorrow. We're going to be all right. You may not be anxious about the, the clothes that you're going to wear. Maybe you want to look good on a you know, date night for that particular guy or girl. But other than that, like, you're not worried about the clothes that you're going to wear, right? Maybe that's not your anxiety, right? That, that makes sense, right? We're living in the 21st century in America. The majority of you in the room, I bet all of you in the room, have usually not been anxious about those things. And you think, okay, good, I got that. But let's dig a little deeper than that. Let's consider what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about food. He's talking about clothing. What are food and clothing? Food and clothing are items that are necessary for human survival. They're necessary for our livelihood. They're necessary for our welfare. They're necessary for our well-being. Jesus is calling us to not be anxious about our own well-being, our own welfare, to not be anxious about our livelihood. And whenever we see it like that and we dig a little deeper than the surface level, we see, hey, this is really applicable to us. This is really applicable to us because whenever we think about the things that cause us to be anxious, oftentimes they're things that we perceive to be a threat to our livelihood, a threat to our welfare, a threat to our well-being or our quality of life. That's what anxiety does to us. It gets us to believe the extremes and to make us fearful for our quality of life. So you think about it like this. I know finals are coming up. It's a little ter terrifying, a little scary. Perhaps some of you are feeling a little anxiety about finals, right? Maybe you think, hey, this test really matters, and if I fail this test, that means I might fail the class, and if I fail the class, then I might not get the degree, then if I don't get the degree, then maybe I won't get the job, and if I don't get the job, then I'm gonna get really, I'm not gonna make the money, and if I don't make the money, then I'm gonna end up 30 years old in my mom and dad's basement, right? Like, that's what anxiety does to us, right? That's, you, you felt that. You can laugh, but you felt it, right? That's what anxiety does. It always goes to the extreme. It always sides with impending doom. It gets us to believe that we are hopeless. It gets us to believe that we are helpless. It gets us to be fearful over our well-being, over our quality of life. And Jesus speaks into that, and he says, hey, don't do that. Don't follow that rabbit trail. Don't believe those lies. Don't trust that anxiety. Understand that there is far more to life than this. There is a greater purpose here, so don't get too fixated on the things that you, be, you perceive to be a threat to your physical well-being. Now, clarifier here, okay? We do need to talk about something. 
there is a massive difference between a wise concern and an unhealthy anxiety, okay? You understand this, right? Like, you do need to be, have a wise concern for your well-being. I'm not telling you to, like, leave here tonight and go 90 down the loop and be like, I'm not concerned about my well-being. You know, like, I'm not telling you to do that. That would be stupid. That would be unwise, Right? But what Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about having, not having an unhealthy fixation, not having an unhealthy fear, an unhealthy anxiety about the things in your life. Because if you do, if you continue to go down that rabbit trail of fear, of anxiety, and worrying about the things in this world, you're going to end up stuck and you're going to end up not moving forward in life the way that God has designed you to. So he wants you to continue to move forward, to not be weighed down by the anxieties of this life. And so to make this point, to dig a little deeper, to kind of give us an example by which to follow, Jesus points out two examples. And he gives us the examples of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. What's he doing here? He's pointing us to the creation. He's pointing us to the creation. He's saying, consider the birds of the air. The birds of the air, they don't, they don't gather into barns. They don't build barns and storehouses and worry about having enough food for tomorrow. No, that's not what birds do. Yet your heavenly father, he feeds them. Points to the birds of the air. Then he points to the, to the lilies. Of the, consider the lilies of the field. Think about the flowers. That's what Jesus is saying here. Think about the flowers. They don't spin thread. But even Solomon, Solomon, the Old Testament king, one of the wealthiest kings to ever live, even Solomon did not have the beauty that these flowers possess naturally. And if the flowers of the field possess that kind of beauty, if God takes care of the flowers that are here just for a moment, will he not also take care of you? I want you to pay attention to this. Don't just breeze over this. If you've been in church for a while, I imagine you've heard this text, but I want you to dig in it. Think about Jesus' logic here. Think about the way that he's arguing. Pay attention to the language that he's using. Jesus is pointing to creation. And he's saying, if the God of all creation, the one who is in charge of all this, the one who controls all of this, if he takes care of the small things like the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, will he not much more take care of you? Will he not much more take care of you? Of you, And to drive this point home even further, he uses the language whenever he talks about God as your heavenly father. Your heavenly father. Jesus is pointing us to this radical truth that if you are a believer, if you are a part of the family of God, then this God of creation, this all-powerful being who takes care of all aspects of creation wants you to view him as your heavenly father. And if your heavenly father takes care of the birds of the field and the lilies of the field, excuse me, and the, lily, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, then you can bet he's gonna take care of his kids. You can bet he's going to take care of his children. Why? Because you are of far more value than they. You are far more valuable than the other aspects of creation. That's the argument that Jesus is making here. Now, before you get all offended, you think, what about the birds? Do they not matter? Yes, the birds matter, okay? Jesus loves the birds. God cares about the birds. The creator cares about all aspects of 
the creation. All matters of, all, all parts of creation are precious to the creator, but none are of more value than the children made in his image. So the argumentation that Jesus is using here is he's pointing us to see our value in the eyes of God. He's pointing us to see that we are valuable to the creator of the universe. Some of you tonight just need to hear that. You just need to hear that, that the God of all creation, the one who controls all things, loves you. He cares about you. You are of much more value than the other parts of the creation. He cares about you more than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And if he takes care of those small things, then Jesus is saying that you can trust him to take care of you. Once you see God's power and his love for you, the result is that you don't have to walk in fear. So Jesus says, don't worry, don't fear, don't be anxious. You see, what Jesus is trying to show us here is he's trying to show us what lurks underneath our anxiety. See, at the end of verse 30, he uses this phrase, he says, oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus is showing us there is that oftentimes our anxiety reveals a lack of faith in God. That's what our anxiety reveals. It reveals a lack of trust in that earthly father. I'm not saying every time, I'm not making a blanket statement, but a lot of times our anxiety reveals a lack of faith, a lack of trust in the goodness and the power of our God. And Jesus says, whenever you live like that and you live in perpetual worry, then you're living as the Gentiles. And what he's saying there is that you're living as people who do not know God. That whenever you're living in perpetual worry and perpetual fear, what you're doing is you're showing that you're not trusting in the power of the Lord and you're looking to your own power and to your own ability instead of his. And whenever you do that, whenever you look to your own ability and your own power, you are quickly met with your insufficiencies. And you quickly realize that there are many situations, many circumstances in which you do not have control. And that lack of control makes us anxious. I'd be willing to bet the things that make you anxious are things that you don't think you have control over. You're worried about the things you can't control. That lack of control makes us anxious. But Jesus is calling us to see that we're the spiritual solution to this is to realize that, yes, we may not have ultimate control. We may not have ultimate power, and that may make us anxious, but guess what? We know the one who does. We know the one who has ultimate power. We know the one who has control of all things. So Jesus is trying to get us to understand that we can do one of two things. We can pursue the cares of this world. We can look to our own ability. We can look to our own power, and the result will always be more anxious anxiety, more fear, because you're always going to come against circumstances that you cannot control, or you can fix your eyes on the Father, and you can have faith, and you can believe, and you can see him as the good heavenly Father who has ultimate power and ultimate control, and the result will be your freedom, will be your freedom. I want you to see this tonight. There's this one truth that's going to be behind me on the screen. Fear, it paralyzes. But faith, faith mobilizes. Fear paralyzes. Faith 
mobilizes. Whenever we're living in perpetual fear, whenever we're living out of our fears, then we're never going to move forward in life the way that God has designed us to. We're going to feel stuck. But whenever we see the power and the love of our God, it propels us into what God has designed for us. It propels us to live the life that God has designed us to live. I was thinking about this week, just thinking about a way that I could illustrate this. And I've told a couple of you this story before, so, repeat, so forgive me if you've heard this one already, okay? But whenever I was growing up, my family vacations, they were not the beach, okay? My dad hates the beach. My dad loves the mountains and the snow. Anybody mountain people over beach people in the room? A few of us, okay? All right, the rest of you are beach people. It's okay, we still love you, okay? My dad hates the beach, loves the mountains, and he grew up snow skiing, and so he really wanted to take my brother and I snow skiing. All right, so whenever we were young, my brother's two years younger than I am, we would get a week off of school in February every year, and that would be our family vacation time. We'd go snow skiing. And we went snow skiing for several years, and then my brother and I decided that skiing was lame and we wanted to start snowboarding, so we started snowboarding, right? So this was our, our normal habit. My dad is an incredible skier, and so he'd take us out on the difficult slopes. Mom would hang with us whenever we were on, like, the green slopes, but whenever we started going, like, more events, she was like, she was done, right? So we would go in the afternoon on the more difficult slopes, and I remember... One year, I couldn't have been, I was like probably 12, right, which meant my brother was like 10. And we're on these difficult slopes, and my dad's just kind of like taking his time because your dad's getting a little old. He's got bad knees. He's got bad ankles. So he's just kind of chilling, and then it's just me and my brother, and we're like racing down this mountain, right? We're having a great time. My brother's a little bit in front of me. And I remember this slope, if you've been skiing before, you know that sometimes that like slopes like join up together. You can think about it like merging onto the interstate or something. It's kind of like that. And I remember my brother's a little bit ahead of me. And I'm just like going down this mountain, we're flying, and we come into like this part where we're merging with another slope, and this guy is coming way too fast on the other slope, and he just like destroys my brother, right, like lights, like just nails him. They both go tumbling down. I'm like seeing all of this happen. I'm completely helpless. I like fall to the ground. I'm like 10 feet away from this moment, right, I'm just seeing this happen. And this guy gets up. He's probably, probably like my age now, right, like mid, late 20s. And my brother's like 10 years old. Remember this, okay? This guy gets up and proceeds to start cussing my brother out. Like just lighting into him, right? Like just, and I am supposed to be like the protective older brother, right? But I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm just like, what do I do in this moment, right? Like I'm just completely, I'm frozen. I'm terrified. Guy gets up, goes down the mountain. I'm just looking at Jacob like, like, you good? And like my dad finally like gets there and he like crouches down and he gets to Jacob. He says, are you Okay. Jacob says, yeah, I'm good. Like, he wasn't physically hurt. He's a little embarrassed, but he was good. Dad says, all right. And dad takes off down the mountain after this guy, okay? And I'm, like, looking at Jacob, and I'm like, dude, you good? He's like, I'm good. I'm like, okay, well, let's go, because I want to see what happens, right? And so, like, we, like, start flying down this mountain, and dad, we get there in time to see my, and my dad's a big man, okay? Some of you have met my dad. My dad is a big dude, and he's in this guy's face, and I can't repeat everything that he said, but he was in this guy's face, and lighting him up. Tell him, don't you ever touch my son like that again. And in this moment, I saw my dad's power and my dad's love collide. My dad's power and my dad's love for us collide. And for the rest of the day, I'm skiing, I'm snowboarding around on those slopes like, I dare you to touch me, son. Like, my dad's right here, right? Like, if you touch me, my dad's coming for you. What resulted, whenever I saw my dad's power and I saw my dad's love, the result in my heart was confidence. The result in my heart was freedom. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. So many of you are so anxious about so many things. And I want you to understand tonight 
that you have a heavenly father who is more powerful and who loves you more than anything beyond comparison. And I understand tonight, I think this is really important to say, I understand tonight that there may be some of you in the room who don't have the benefit of having a good earthly dad. That may be true of you. And whenever I'm sitting here talking about God as a, as a, earthly fa- as a heavenly father, the idea of a father, you, you don't have many good memories of that. And I think it's really important that you hear this. Regardless of the character of your earthly father, there is a heavenly father who wants to be in relationship with you. That through the sacrifice of Jesus, you have access to a heavenly father who has more power and who loves you more than you could ever understand. And even if your earthly father fell short, your heavenly father never will. Your heavenly father never will. And I want you to see his power and his love for you because the good news of the gospel, the good news of our faith is this, that we serve a God that pursues us even in our failures, even in our anxieties. The story of the gospel is this, that God created mankind. He created us in his image to be in relationship with him. But that we rebelled against that. We wanted our own way. We believed that we would be good without the protection and the love of our Heavenly Father, so we rebelled. And what resulted? All manner of brokenness, all manner of darkness, anxiety, fear, and this downward cycle. But the good news of the gospel is that your heavenly father loved you enough to send his son Jesus on your behalf, born in the city of Bethlehem, to live a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death on the cross, taking on the penalty for our wrongdoing. And he died on the cross, and three days later, he rose from the grave to show us that no enemy is stronger than our God, not even death, not even the grave. This is the good news of the gospel, that this God extends his hand to you. And the Bible tells us that if we will believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, who God rose from the grave, that we will be saved and we can be set free from those anxieties and those fears and we can live the life that he has called us to live. That's the good news of the gospel tonight, Prince College. I want you to know that whenever you see God that way, you can let go of the fear that paralyzes you and embrace the faith that mobilizes you. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. So the call to action tonight is simple. It's really, really simple, yet it's going to require a lot of intentionality on your part. And to see it, I want us to go back to that example of the birds of the air. I love that example. I was reading in the commentary this week, and the commentator, he just said this example of the birds of the air is so good because what we see in the birds of the air is that they don't worry, but they work. You understand that? Like, they don't worry. But they do, it's not like birds are just like sitting around in trees with their mouths open hoping worms fall from the sky, right? Like that's not what happens, right? Birds don't worry, but they do work. And the same is meant to be true for us. We're not meant to be anxious people, but Jesus does give us something to pursue. He does give us a work to pursue. You see, as Jesus wraps up this teaching on anxiety and the cares of the world, I want you to notice that he doesn't just leave us with the don't worry. 
Like, stop worrying. Like, that's like the most unhelpful advice. Like, if you have a friend who struggles with anxiety, don't just be like, hey, stop being scared. Like, that's not helpful, okay? Not helpful at all. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't just say, hey, don't worry. But he tells us what to do instead. He gives us something to pursue instead. He said, instead of seeking after the cares of this world and your own well-being, instead, seek the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. What Jesus calls us to here, the call to action is to change our pursuit. To change our pursuit. He's opening our eyes to this reality that if we continue to pursue the cares of the world and our own well-being and our own benefit, the only thing that will result is more anxiety. But he's calling us to change our pursuit. We can pursue the kingdom instead. We can pursue the king. You may ask, well, what is that? Like, what does that even look like? Well, it's really simple, yet it will require a lot of intentionality on you. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe it looks like whenever you wake up in the morning, not immediately grabbing for your phone to check in what's going on on social media, but instead getting away and spending time with the Lord. And as you allow your body to wake up, allowing your soul to wake up as well. Maybe it looks like in, in those times of anxiety and fear which come on all of us, maybe it looks like learning to run to God and spending time in his presence, opening his word, spending time in prayer, spending time with the people of God and allowing them to encourage you rather than running to the things of this world to try to numb out the pain. Maybe it begin, looks like beginning to worry a lot more about the welfare and the well-being of others than our own. It looks like being a little bit more outwardly focused than inwardly focused. We can begin to pursue the kingdom. And as we do, Jesus promises us that God will take care of us. The final truth that I want you to see tonight is this. It's on the screens behind me. That those who persistently pursue the kingdom will experience the consistent care of the king. Those who persistently pursue the kingdom will experience the consistent care of the king. This is what I want for you. I want you to be men and women who persistently pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and who experience the consistent care of the king. But understand, Prince College, this is not going to be a quick fix. This is not going to be an immediate thing that just changes overnight. This will require intentionality and effort on your part. You see, we get so caught up in wanting things done quickly. That's why we often run to a medical solution for a spiritual problem. Maybe you need to learn how to pursue Jesus a little bit more in your life. Life in the kingdom is not a life of quick fixes and easy solutions. It's about moving the right direction over a long period of time. I was talking about this idea with Chandler Watson earlier this week, and he reminded me of this author who talks about this idea, this author by the name of David Powelson. And he talks about this idea that we focus a lot more on speed and headache, getting a far enough distance, right? And he uses this example of two trains. He says, if you have a train that's pointed towards California, no matter how fast that train moves, it's never going to end up in New York. But if you have a train that's pointed to New York, no matter if it moves 10 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour, it's eventually going to end up in New York. And the, all, the like, call to action there is to consider what direction is your life headed? 
Are you really pursuing after the king? Are you really headed in the direction of Jesus? The call to action here, just like the birds of the air, you're not called to worry, you're called to work. Your work is this, head in the direction of Jesus. Head in the directions of the king. Pursue the king. And as you do, realize, yes, you will stumble. You will fall. You'll make mistakes. Persistent pursuit is not perfect pursuit. Okay, you're not going to nail this perfectly. But as you do, you get up and you continue to fix your eyes on Jesus, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time in community, practicing the disciplines of fasting, of giving, practicing the way of life laid out in the Sermon on the Mount, and all the while chasing hard after Jesus. And as you do, you watch how Jesus will radically change your life. You watch how faith will free you from the bondage of fear and how you will experience the never-ending love of your heavenly Father. Ben, can you guys go ahead and come on back up? Here's the deal. Here's the deal, students. I know that in your life there are things that make you anxious. There are a lot of things that plague your mind. There are a lot of anxieties but I want more than anything for you. I want you to see your value in the eyes of God. I want you to realize that you have a heavenly father who loves you beyond compare and that he sent his son Jesus into the world so that you may experience new life. And so in a culture of fear, I want us to be people of faith. I want us to be people who continually pursue hard after Jesus. And as we do, I believe that we'll see so much more freedom for our very own souls. I believe that we'll see us set free from the fear that paralyzes us. And I believe that we'll see God mobilize us to live the life that he has called us to live, pointing others to this great king others to this God who they too can know. That's what I want for us. So tonight I just want to ask you, what direction are you headed? Are you pursuing the king? Would you pray with me? As we wrap up tonight, I want to say again, I am not trying to make light of anyone's struggles. Maybe you're in here tonight and you're anxious about a lot of things. I want you to know First and foremost, you have a heavenly father who loves you. But secondly, I want you to know that you have a community that will support you. We're here for you. We love you. We want to see freedom for you. So here in a moment, we're going to sing one more song. And as we do, maybe there's some things that you want to talk about, some things that you want prayer for. We're going to be in the back. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you. If you're here tonight, and you're a person who doesn't know Jesus, you have not given your life to Jesus, I want you to understand that it makes sense that you're anxious. It makes sense that you're fearful because without Jesus, you're never going to experience the freedom that your soul craves. But I also want you to know that tonight, all of that can change for you. All of that can change for you. We'd love to talk to you more about this God who we have come to know. My hope and my prayer for each and every one of you in this room is that you would no longer be a slave to fear, but that you would realize, you would realize that through the sacrifice of Jesus, you have an opportunity to be a child of God. 
So Father, we thank you so, so much for who you are. We thank you that you are a good Father who desires relationship with us. So God, I just pray that we would be people who submit all of our fears to you, who choose to be people of faith and choose to pursue you with everything that we have. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Prince College Podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, you can check us out online at www.pabc.org backslash college, or you can follow us on social media at at prince.college. We'll see you next time.